Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, welcome to Teach Me to Talk the Podcast. This is Laura Mai, pediatric speech language pathologist, and boy, do I have a set of interesting circumstances going on right now. I'm headed to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to do my conference there on Thursday and Friday, and we thought we were going to be uh, ahead of schedule today, and we would make it to New Orleans. We're going to spend a couple of days there before uh, heading to Baton Rouge, and I thought I would be there in the hotel and set up and ready to go, and we're not. We're in Meridian, Mississippi, and my wonderful husband and business partner, Johnny Mize, has sweet-talked the... uh, uh, has sweet talked the staff into letting me use <laughs> the hotel lobby here in uh, a hotel at Durian in Meridian, Mississippi. And again, we're so thankful for that and want to give a big shout out to them. They're being so, so great to us and we so appreciate it. Our special guest today, Sharika Bentham, who's been on the show before and is a speech pathologist in Barbados, is going to join us. And she's going to talk about the Easy Speak Autism Intervention project that she set up and hosted earlier this year. She's not quite on the line with us yet, but I've spoken with her, and she's going to be here, but we're just going to kind of wait her out. Until then, let me go ahead and talk about some announcements. I've already said I'm going to be in Baton Rouge on Thursday and Friday. Day one of that conference is best practices to facilitate early speech language development in toddlers with communication delays and disorders. And this is an updated course from my original course, Early Speech Language Development, Taking Theory to the Floor. But there are new video clips, new research updates with evidence-based practice. So there's still room for that day, especially on day one. So if you want to come join me there, even if you just want to pay on site, you come on because we would love, love, love to have you for that day. Day two of that conference is pretty close to being sold out. And it's the course that I started teaching last year. But again, the new improved version is Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers. And it's the theory from my book of the same name. So, again, if you are in Louisiana or Mississippi or Texas or Arkansas or Alabama, like I was last night, and you want to drive to see me in Baton Rouge, again, we would absolutely love to have you for uh, those conferences. In November, I'll be in Charleston, West Virginia, another favorite place of mine, and we're speaking at the Civic Center on that day. So we have tons of room, and if you've been thinking to come, uh, thinking about coming to one of my conferences for a while and you haven't been able to do it, Charleston, West Virginia is the conference for you (laughs) because, again, we have tons of space. Downtown Charleston is just beautiful. Everything that you would ever want to do is within walking distance. And so you can certainly um, join us there. And, again, that's on November 7th and 8th. I've recently um, (laughs) set up a couple of last-minute dates, and they're both the first week in December. On Thursday, December 5th, I'll be hosting the hometown event for all of my Louisville friends who've asked me over and over again, are you going to teach that new course in Louisville? Why don't you ever do the course where you live? How come we have to go out of state to hear you talk? What's up with that? And so I'm responding to those requests and doing that conference. And, again, I'm just going to do the one day, just the newer conference, Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers, and that's the sixth hour 
event that day so that I can squeeze in some other things and talk about again the some of those that information from um best practices. So that's gonna be a super fun day too. And again if you've not heard um me speak before, that's another great location to visit. Louisville Airport's easily accessible. We have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful um hotel for that event. So I'd love to see you on Thursday, December fifth. On Friday, December sixth. I'll be in Indianapolis doing the same conference I'm doing in Louisville on that Thursday. So that'll be a quick turnaround for us. So join us there if uh, that's more convenient for you. And again, all of the registration information is on my website at teachmetotalk.com and you can easily register there. If you are having any kind of problem at all, email me and I will help you through that process. Sometimes maybe you're not as familiar with technology, you just need a little bit of help, you'd rather register by phone, whatever the circumstance may be, uh, email me at laura at teachmetotalk.com. We'll set that time up or you can call our office number. And again, I'll be happy to help you with that. Other announcements while we're waiting on Sharika to join us. Let me talk to you about the DVD course that's available for ASHA CEU credit. And again, even though I'm saying for speech pathologists, for ASHA credit, if you are interested in this course and you are a developmental therapist, you are a developmental interventionist, special instructor, whatever they call teacher people in your state, this course is still for you. It's still relative to what you do every day in your early intervention program. So check it out, and again, it's the expanded version of day one of my course, Early Speech-Language Development Taking Theory to the Floor. If you've heard me talk about it before, it's regularly a six-hour course. When I'm teaching it live this fall, I've expanded it to seven hours, but if you get the DVD, it's 12 hours. (laughs) So anything you've ever really wanted to know about that simple treatment hierarchy that I teach, social skills, cognition, receptive language, expressive language, speech intelligibility, anything about that, uh, check out that DVD series. Now, we're going to wait on Sharika a couple more minutes. I hope that she hasn't had a last-minute emergency. As I said, I've been messaging her today several times. Um, Oh, and she's just sent me a message. She is having some difficulty with the call-in number. Let's see if I can get her the better number here and see if we can get her on the line. I so apologize for this kind of delay. I hate live technology when things don't go as you think, and I think she's here. Sharika, are you there? I am here. Gotcha. (laughs) It was the wrong number. I had to go into site. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. All right, so... Let's talk about the great project that you did this summer, Easy Speak Autism Project. Is that the name of it? Am I am I getting it? Am I saying it yep, correctly? Easy Speak Autism Intervention Project. Right. And Johnny's reminding me that I have not really introduced you. I'm in such a, such a kind of a chaotic state since we're doing our we're traveling and I'm doing the show remotely today. And, while the show was coming on, they were moving me to a different room, so I wouldn't be right out in the lobby. So forgive me if I'm a little bit off. But this is my friend, Sharika Bentham, who's been on the show before. She's a speech pathologist in Barbados. I follow her on Facebook. And this summer, you launched your project for pre- their preschool-age kids, right, Sharika? Yes. 
preschool-age kids. Yeah. Right. With autism spectrum diagnosis. And mm-hmm. so you're going to tell us all that you, uh, all that went into setting up this kind of project, kind of, your, first of all, tell us what inspired you to do it. What made you think this would be a good time to watch a big endeavor like this? Well, the majority load right now is on the autistic spectrum, which is crazy. My days are never bored. Um, so what I wanted to do, there are a lot of kids who are on the spectrum and they aren't in school yet because schools right now are having a huge problem where a lot of schools, they don't have the skills or resource to accommodate children who are on the spectrum. Um, special needs schools are bursting at the seat. They don't have many here. So the ones that are have, they're not able to take them because they don't have the space. And so a lot of them, they're at home or they're in, uh, or they're in like daycare programs that they really aren't doing much. Mm-hmm. So I was saying, my, my future goal in the in the distant distant future was to open up a school, right? School sort of program for them. So I I spoke to some special needs teachers who are really interested in doing it, and we said, okay, let's launch it. Planned it for months and months, I to make sure that it ran. That it was the ideal program. So it ran how an ideal school setup. An ideal preschool classroom with all of the needs of children who are on the spectrum. Because there's, you know, you can do it and you can have speech and they can, and, and it's not followed up. So we wanted a disciplinary team where you have the teach model, where you have the structured teaching. They come in, get structured teaching every day, and they have a visual based classroom. They get therapy, they get all the different. Um, sub therapies. We had art therapy, we had music therapy, and you just cater to the whole child. So that's what we in August for so a week. So you were testing the waters to judge yes, how a temperature school might in the waters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so you it sounds like you had some help with that. Like you were able to really yeah, collaborate and pull together so the other therapy pieces sound so interesting, too. So what did you do, Sharika? You just started contacting other local professionals who could yeah. help you with that, right? I did. I did. I contacted art therapists. I contacted people that did music. Um, I did contact an OT, but she was doing. She was too busy at the time. So right. we were to an OT in the U.S different strategies that we could use and incorporate. So we have OT support, and OT is for occupational, um, for the listeners who don't know. I have that OT support, but we didn't have an OT present, but they still were able to do activities that help with those those daily living and those daily skills. And right. And certainly meeting their those children, meeting their sensory needs had to be a high priority because we know Virtually every child on the autism spectrum has sensory issues that we have to address. And yeah. I always talk to speech pathologists who say, I don't know sensory or I, I, I don't do sensory. And I always want to say, how do you even do this job? 
if you're not that's constantly yeah, using sensory strategies because I think it's such an important part of any program, regardless of whether we're talking about a classroom-based preschool program or just an individual child mm-hmm. who's on the spectrum. I can't yeah. imagine doing a 30-minute session without using some uh, sensory support. So I know that that was a big part of your day. Yeah, even if you didn't have an OT there physically present with you. Yeah. Yeah, it was a huge part of the program. We even had a sensory corner because our classroom yeah, was set up into stations. Our center had center. We had the sensory corner. We had the listening center. And everything had its own because our children off the spectrum, they're very visual learners. Having right. those visuals was such a huge, huge help with and support for trans because you're moving from one place to another and you're going need to know why I'm pulling you in this direction or, or everybody's moving in this direction. So to visualize uh, definitely that with that ease of transition. Yeah, and we have to remember with most of those children who are on the spectrum, language is usually not a strength for them. I mean after all, that's why they're getting speech therapy. So even telling a child verbal direction, so that's why a visual support system like pictures mm-hmm. and a yes. picture schedule would be so important for those little guys that so they understand what's happening when telling them those words, those verbal directions don't always make sense. So for our listeners who our newer therapists, or especially for our listeners who are parents and who maybe this is one of the first shows that they're listening to, we we always have to keep in mind how we can help our little friends compensate for their weaknesses. And if they have difficulty mm-hmm. listening to and understanding language, usually using visual supports like Sharika's talking about are a huge, huge, huge um, method that we need to be incorporating to help our children achieve more success. So, again, like you said, when they're not understanding the transitions, when they don't understand that the teacher said, come on now, we're finished with this, we're going to move on to this next activity, sometimes those words don't make sense. So using pictures and using any other kind of uh, cue that they can see rather than something that they have to depend on to hear or listen to is something that we try to incorporate with our little guys with, especially with ASD. Yeah, I was doing my teacher training because my teachers came training initially and I went through um, visuals. And I I likened it to you being in a foreign country and this group of of big, burly-looking men come up to you shouting something in a foreign language. And you have no idea what they're talking. How are you going to feel? Yeah, you're gonna feel like you're gonna feel you're gonna feel like they're gonna carry you somewhere and kill you. But if they they Probably come and they say something Yes, they're gonna yeah. feel intimidated. They come and they show you a visual while saying this thing in this one they show you, you know, a hamburger or something like that. You know, you, you feel right. more at ease. you kinda of know what they're talking about, you realize, sure. Oh, that means okay, yeah. time to go for hamburgers. Right. So it makes a little bit more of an easier thing. Yeah, and I think it's such an important strategy. And so if we have therapists who are listening that you haven't gotten on board with using that, that's certainly something that you need to think about 
um, and even introducing into your individual sessions. Visual supports can make a huge, huge, huge difference. Ms. Sharika, you mentioned the TEACH program, which is mm-hmm. a visually, um, it's all driven by using visual teaching methods. And again, this is a strength for so many of our little preschool friends who are on the spectrum. And so talk a little bit about that structured teaching method. I use it all the time, but talk about, again, how you decided to use that program, what activities that you pulled from that. You might even talk a little bit about the background information and how you started to um, be interested in those kinds of teaching methods. Okay, sure. I like to teach, and teach is actually T-C-C-A-H. It stands for Treatment and Educatistic and Related Communication Handicapped Children. Usually used primarily for children who are on the spectrum. Um, I saw teaching before I was a speech therapist. When I was working, I was shadowing a clinical psychologist initially, and I saw the structure, the structure of it. That's the that they have structured teaching to help children function within everyday society. It helps them function within the classroom, the home setting, whatever setting they're in. Um, what happens is that you have a format. You have your set schedule or your set activities to do. You work from left, so they're placed on your table. Um, on the left, your activities you're going to do, whether it be six in a pilot, whether it be learning how to set a table, so having setting, um, whether it be writing letters, fixing Mr. Potato Head. It depends on your specific goal for each child. So you do that. Right, and the child's and developmental you- level. And so, like, writing letters. We, with yes. the little guys that you worked with, that was a valid goal, and the children were developmentally ready mm-hmm. for that. With the children that I primarily yes. work with in early intervention, birth to three, the later example that you gave, learning to put the potato head pieces on Mr. Potato yes. Head, or even something like matching, matching by color, or matching by object, or anything like that. Right, anything like that that's visually based, but that it's at the just right developmental level so that you can keep a kid's attention and so that he can learn to complete a task from start to finish and be eventually be independent in how he works yeah. through that task and how he learns. Yeah. So there's some therapists that may say, well, my child isn't even able to right now. Um, they're, they can just sit down and put things in. That can be a goal. Um, taking yeah. something into the sensory bin, creating a sensory bin, that means I use rice, picking up a toy, putting it into that sensory bin, they have to put six toys in, that's their goal. You know, and every time they do it, I like to say in, so that you can get that language, that language of it as well. Right. Right. Another one that we use is stacking rings, so they have to put, take up their bag, take all the rings out of their bag, and put all the stacking rings Right. Put it in the finished file because it's actually just teaching them, or teaching them that routine of that dependent task, and then you can build from there. Yeah, and I think it is so important to start at a level where a child can be successful. And so, if you're introducing these visual teaching tasks, my experience has been if you can't get a child to do it pretty easily, 
you need to modify the activity and make yep. it even simpler. Fewer pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fewer pieces or something that again is not quite so challenging so that you can really get a child through the entire routine start to finish in one sitting so that, again, you accomplish the whole darn thing and they can move on to be independent with that. And so many times people start still start at a level that's a little bit too high. So you want to be sure that you're using yeah. the center activities that you're talking about. Now, what's your best resource for getting teach activities, Sharika? And then after you talk oh, about yours, true. I'll share some of mine. Yeah. <laughs> Pinterest is usually my best. I have I have a folder on Pinterest. Teach activities and speech therapists. I always say that speech therapists take over, take over everything and make it theirs. Yeah, so we've got so many speech therapists on Pinterest. Pinterest has lots and lots of boards for the different um, for the different resources. Because when I was looking classrooms, I had a board called Autism Classrooms. And I got so many ideas from often linked to blogs that talks about how to set up the class and um, different resources to direct. And then to teach activities, which I have in, on the other board, um, it's just this resource of how to do from the very, very, very basic activities up to the more complex that those who we, you would say are more high-functioning. Uh, shoebox task. Mm-hmm. which I, I really that. like, uh, and I, I have actually created quite a few of my own shoebox tax shoes, so save the shoe boxes after, create your own tax, yeah. and that that's really useful. Yeah, I love Pinterest for doing that, and anyone, if you're if you're already on Pinterest and you don't follow accounts already who pin those kinds of things, you can just search teach, or search visual mm-hmm. teaching activities, and lots and lots of options will come up. Now, with teachmetotalk.com, I have lots and lots of boards on Pinterest, and one of them says, for my little friend, dot, 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 and that's where I started just pulling and pinning these kinds of activities for two specific children that I was working with so that their moms, who were also on Pinterest, could see those. And then we could collaborate and talk together about how to use the activity first in a therapy session. And then I always turn those teach activities over to moms and dads as part of their home programming. Yeah, and so I think that's so useful. Another resource that I've used is uh, a book, and it's by a a teacher, a Ph.D. person, Dr. Kimberly Henry, she, well, actually, I think she might have been a pediatrician, and then she started really looking at this whole how do we teach kids with autism, and she had some personal experience with it. She's written a book called How Do I Teach This Kid, and you can get it off Amazon. It's super cheap, and it's a great introduction. Now, some of the activities are are really uh, at a higher developmental level than most of the children that I work with since I specialize in birth to three, birth to four. But, again, it's a great way mm-hmm. to kind of get your feet wet. And for people who really want the, the security of reading and holding a book in your hand <laughs> rather than depending on doing an Internet search or something, it's a great, great resource. And that's also a resource that I've loaned to parents who are interested in, mm-hmm. again, making these kinds of activities part of their home program. So that's a super resource. And I think yeah. just Googling 
teach and teach activities, you can oh come across so many blogs and so whether it be a parent blog or a teacher blog or a speech pathologist who use these kinds of visual structure teaching activities and you can really come up with some nice nice ideas. Back in the winter, I did some last year, in the beginning of 2012, put together some therapy guides with some great holiday-related um, therapy activities that were all based on this kind of visual teaching. So anybody uh, who wants to check those out, too, you can find the It's really, I first learned about those from a psychologist, too. And I really like how we can take that program and, again, All right, so you did the teach stuff. What other components mm-hmm. did you put into place when you were planning your program, Sharika? Um, well, it, I checked out there's a really, really good site called theautismhelpers.com, and mm-hmm. that was my site for setting up the classroom, making sure it had all our centers, um, for it, for the levels that of children we were seeing, um, making sure we had the schedule, schedules of the pictures. So if you walked into to my my classroom setup, the first thing you would see is the the picture schedule tree, which was nice tree, and from the branches you each chapter and their schedule for the day. So we yeah. go to their picture, check the schedule. We had a nice little song, let's get check our schedule coming next. And that was really our transition. Right. Um, Songs are check huge the schedule. for children. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's great. And I yeah. love how you just sing that song without just unsolicited, Sharika. You just break into song with telling us. <laughs> I always do, even in therapy. <laughs> What your cue was. And I want to mention that I have linked your Facebook page for the Easy Speak Autism Intervention Pro- Project. I've linked that on TeachMeToTalk.com's okay. Facebook page and under today's uh, podcast post. And so if you want to take a look at Sharika's great pictures, and there's a picture, I believe, I saw a picture earlier when I was looking through this of that tree yeah. schedule so we can yeah. take a look at that. Yeah. And so the, the kids are in in the morning. In the pool. Yeah. <laughs> That's so and cute. the giant sort of with my with my five <laughs> boys. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and I do think seeing the pictures for therapists to know how to kind of set this up, or even for moms, if you're thinking, gosh, this speech stuff sounds interesting. This is something that, you know, how can I find more information about this? Take a look at Sharika's page on Facebook and see how she's organized some of this. So, okay, we've walk us through your day, Sharika. We've talked a lot day, some sure. about planning. Let's move on and kind of walk through your schedule. And so when the kids first got there, the Stop was at your yeah, tree. They come right? in, check their. Yeah, first stop is at the tree. Check your schedule. Um, usually, when they come, it's time for sur- 
So we start off in circle time. We have we go to our circle center, and we usually go through the same scan. That has its own circle time has its own specific. So we go across that schedule, and and picture teachers. She's holding a board, and it shows that we do who's who is here today, which develops awareness of others around them and self awareness. Uh, the weather. Um, we did um, the days of the week song. So it is really fun stories like brown bear, click clap, all those repetitive stories. Um, then we do a song like an interactive song, mumping on the bed, those sort of songs. Um, the one that I did that was really good. We also had the visual. So if we're doing it all McDonald's. Farm. Everybody has them, and then they put on the the animal on the farm, just to keep it really visual based. Right, and so remind us again. We know that these are preschoolers with autism. So, what was your age range mm-hmm. for your little guys that um, you had in your family? The smallest one is three. He just turned three. Um, that's the mild. Okay. You see him in the videos, and the oldest was he had just turned six. And that's Andrew. Okay, so high functioning nonverbal. Okay, so were they all nonverbal children? All nonverbal, yeah. Okay, okay. So that's important to know. So using uh, your visuals or your and your other AAC devices was a huge part of your day because none yeah. of these children were yet communicating verbally. We we went from this very very simple AAC to everybody. Oh, the first thing we did was the high song. I forgot in circle time. So everybody went and that one each person pressed the high, the big mic. To everybody. Yeah. And more mm-hmm. complex devices. You would see um, in the pictures we had the Quick Talker 12 to tell stories or or to answer questions of a tea or. The day that we did our beach theme, uh, talked about what we saw at the beach, those sort of things. Okay, great. Um, so Are you still there? From, okay. Yes, I am. Okay, you're cutting out a little bit, but that's okay. Here. Can you hear? I can hear you now. Yeah. Okay. So then after we finished, we transitioned from circle. Um, we had a little bit of free play where we sensory corner. And the thing about free play was still structured play. So it wasn't where you do whatever you want. Um, it was still structured. You're still following the child's lead, but within that structure, within that sensory, um, which is very, very important, I find. Um, then we moved on to individual work where they were their individual work tables and did their their, their teach tasks and then put them in their finished finished piles. Okay. Okay, just making sure you're still there. I'm still here. <laughs> so what did you do after okay. their individual time? What came next in your day? So after individual time there was group work. So we had a nice mm-hmm. big group activity because children who are on the spectrum, uh, what I talk to my teachers about and what I really reinforce um, is the, that they like to be alone. They like to play. They like to engage in lots of what we call solitary play. So I wanted as right. many group work tasks as possible. 
where they can have that interaction, where we can build those social skills, those turn take it turn your turn skill. To have that awareness of what each person is doing at the time, really talking about what each person is doing, how each person feels that activity. Um, with it, he's related to a theme. So everything was related to a theme each day. Um, we had our beach day. We had our day. We had our um, transportation. So a group work task might be everybody gets to the categorize pictures based on your land, place, um, plane in the sky, um, the in the water or in the sea and the road, that sort of activity. So each each child had their goals. If whether they were they had hand over hand prompts, whether they touch it, um, again depending on their view. Right. Your most successful group activity. What were your winners that week? My winners were the sensory bikes. Uh huh. Making the sensory back. This was one that um, my special ed teacher Jess. She brought to us, and I, her when she brought in, she brought in mouthwash, Listerine mouth, and she brought additional liquid, that soap detergent. And her and said, "Okay, this is for an activity." I looked at her like, "Okay, what's happening?" <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait to hear how you use Listerine. Tell me what you did with the Listerine. <laughs> what she did is that we pour new Listerine into the bag, pure gel in with it, pour it into glitter, we language around it. We had pour, we had swish, 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 and splash, splash, splash. Um, we had lots of little sound in and I was still a little bit skeptical. Um, but she then poured glitter and then sealed it with those bag sealers. I don't know what you call them, but you put the bag in and you seal it with the sealer. Right, those vacuum sealers. Yeah. Yes. And it created this sensory bag that everybody, all of the boys were soaking by. them up and they threw them around and because when you touch it, it has that sure because it has the the, the shower or whatever it is inside of it. It's pretty cheap uh-huh. because of the glitter. You have the blue wash. Right. And so it's pretty visual. These sensory bags. Yeah. Pretty yeah. visual and, and pretty tactile as well. Right. Right. Well that's a that's an interesting idea. I've not I've made sensory bottles before. And I certainly have done some things with in a tub of water, but I've never made little bags like that. Um, and that's good that she vacuum sealed them because I would think if you use a Ziploc, there's always the possibility that that could come open and then that would be a big, big mess. So that's a good idea, using the, the vacuum sealer yeah. machine thingy. Okay. So Definitely. that was Another hit. one is that, yeah, another one could heat Say that again, Sharika. I lost you. Say that again. You did what? We bake bake cookies. Okay. You baked cookies, and I've done that with children before, too. Yes. So we used our curves. Um, It was for animal theme. So in the shape Mm -hmm. of animals, and we sang another song around it. And 
everybody got to carry home a cookie and pamper us. Because that fit into our activity living um, theme right. as well. Because really, it's it's really something that's functional, something you can do at right. home, something that the parents can do at home. Right. That was a fun one. That looks cute. And again, you've got pictures of that one on your Facebook page as well. And I so do. really cute. Yeah. So you use cookie cutters. And in, and have your dough in the shape of animals. And if you don't want to do a cooking project with that, I make Play-Doh animals all the time with those kinds of cookie cutters. And that's a, that's a fun activity that, again, so many of our little guys, unless you're engaging them with something they can touch or using that tactile sense, they don't always want to stay with you. Mm-hmm. But that, that's an activity that's great. And even for kids who have those tactile aversions, these kinds of things are usually so interesting and so novel, they want to participate anyway. Even if they're not quite sure about it at the beginning, you can still provide some support yeah. and almost always get a child to participate. Definitely. And these are children who, a lot of them, they're the ones that weren't sitting, that weren't participating in activities before. And just to watch them sitting, you can see pictures of them actually sitting and smiling and hands forward right. wanting to try and yeah it was it was just so fascinating there were so many times I was jumping up and down and clapping my hands because <laughs> just having these kids involved and doing things and and sharing in the experience when these are some of the ones that would be in a corner doing playing with a leaf or you know watching the fan right. open and having them participating in these activities was just so fascinating and it just showed the progress that they were making right now were these children that you all knew previous did you know them all previously are they children that you are currently serving okay so you knew about them you knew Mm -hmm. their strengths and their weaknesses so you could really take that into account when you were planning yes that i knew um Four of them I, I see privately in my therapy, in my private practice. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, I I worked with him at a special school, but I didn't see him regularly. I do all of them. And, and meet them where they were developmentally. Yeah. So looking at these great pictures, you've got such a variety <laughs> Talk about the swimming pool, Sharika. Talk about, and your your post is so cute about that. It says water play like bosses. No rain can stop this jam. So talk about how you used your swimming pool for activity. Yeah. Uh, that was so funny because I, I, I put that post because it was such a rainy day that day. And I said, no matter what, we are having our water play today. So in the evening, because oh, we usually do our... Pardon? I think you're breaking up for me. I'm just saying water with the rain. Again, that was, you know, yeah. God-given on that day. Because yes. well, better way to talk about rain and wet than... True. You know, when everything is wet, right? Yes, that is true. But they they loved it. There was one little one that he was scared to get into the water, but I think that when he saw everybody else doing it 
and that it was okay. He was first quite approach avoidant, stepping and then going back, but then everybody got into the water and they had a blast. And we just had our goals because I was I was the person in charge of that activity because it was more of a speech therapy lesson and a play lesson. Um, so we were doing things like splash and we had the toys in and we did pour. And we, we were doing things like motor imitation. So everybody had to stamp their feet in the pool and we would follow what another child was doing. And if one child started to splash with their hands, we all splashed with our hands too. So it was it was so good. Hello. I think I've lost you. Hello? Okay. I think Sharika, let's see if Sharika's back. Sharika, I'm back. Were you just talking that whole time that I was off? I hope you were. I was. Good. Thank you. (laughs) I knew there could be some technical problems. You're in Barbados. I'm in Mississippi. We're not in our our normal environment. So I hope that our listeners hung in there and knew that we would try to get back on. Sorry about that. All right. So just pick back up where you were and just. Keep on talking. Okay. Yeah, so I was I was saying how much fun the water play was because um, we did lots of play activities in the pool and they didn't want to leave the pool when the parents came. I so that was a, that was and good. that's always and, the mark of a good session when you when kids yeah. are are upset because they don't want to leave therapy rather than they're upset because they're going into therapy. So that's how you always know when they're crying at the end instead of crying at the beginning, you know that you've done a good job. (laughs) That's true. And what I really was glad to see was the hope that parents had because these are parents that they're not sure what's going to happen to their children. Um, They've got this diagnosis the diagnosis of autism um they're not interacting with them as they should and there's this fear especially to the little ones of how they would um transition to a preschool setting how they would function within a classroom setting with other children if they would just stay in a corner and do nothing if they run around the place if they would cry all day so it was so good for them to come on evenings and realize okay this child isn't looking at me because he's so busy doing activities that right. he's really enjoying participating in these activities and I I remember parents peeping in an hour coming back and peeping in an hour after we started and saying oh he's sitting he's actually sitting yeah, like, yeah. that's what we do <laughs> yeah and that's yeah. so great and again it's so important to get that hope, especially for children who don't have access to quality services all the time because yeah. those parents are just worried sick just worried 
sick about educationally mm-hmm. and academically how their little guys are going to do. So I am sure that you were a big source of hope and relief for those yes. kinds of parents who who were thinking there there is a chance here that we're going to find mm-hmm. a placement that will be successful. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. That was that was a huge thing. Okay. I've looked at your water pictures. Those are precious. Talk about some of your videos that are on the page. I think you've got I think I watched these before and I remember you had some songs and some uh fun little verbal routines that you were doing. Uh there was one there was an I am going to get your routine. Right. Yeah, for so your there's chasing and kind of tickling kinds of things. Yes, chasing and tickling. That was one of the big ones um, with Miles because Miles is a little one who he he has difficulty with engagement and interaction. So I, I videoed this one of him playing with teacher, engaging with teacher, getting really good eye contact and right. and that joint tension and and vocalizing, verbalizing to continue the routine or to re- resume the routine. And it was good to see that that engagement, that really good interaction, that those social skills, those pre-verbal communication skills coming out. Yeah, and I think it's so important to know that as speech-language pathologists and as parents of these little guys, this is where we start when we start speech therapy for so many of those children is to really work on making that social connection and making interacting with other people and looking at someone else and staying with someone else so fun that they want to continue doing that. And that's the first goal that we often try to address with uh, children who are initially getting that ASD diagnosis, or even who are suspected of that, long before we start to work on formal language goals, we have to address that social piece. And I thought that video was really, really cute. And, again, you can take a look at that yourself if you're on Facebook on Sharika's great page about her project, and I've linked it um, at teachmetotalk.com's Facebook page. I think I said that earlier, but we've had so many technical problems I want uh, to be sure to repeat that, so anyone can know where to where to see the great pictures and activities that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've talked about the things that we talked about how you set up the program. We talked about the schedule. We talked about mm-hmm. the things that went well. What are the lessons you learned, Tariqa? What will you do differently uh, next time? Because so I think many. this is what what may, yeah this but this is what makes a good therapist even better. When you can look back at a session or look back at a project and say, that was good, but next time I'm going to make it even better. And that's what I think we constantly need to challenge ourselves to do. So tell me your lessons and tell me what you'll do differently next time. Okay. Um, I'm, I think, yes, it was you I had interacted with initially when I sent this message to the SLP. It was the second day after I had started and my problem, because, you know, you have this whole idea of how everything's going to run so smoothly in your head. <laughs> and then and then, and then real life day, happens. It's absolutely <laughs> chaotic in real life. And I just hit this panic point and I said, how do you get them to sit? Right. Okay, we've got the visuals. We've got 
um, we've got everything happening. How do we get them to sit now? And I got some really, really good ideas from speech therapists on Facebook from Laura. And we did the the sensory things. We did the um, person-on-person support. So having the child sit on sit on a helper or teacher and just having that deep pressure to help the child to sit and to be regulated because that's the most important thing for a child to be regulated within their their environment. Right, and by about the third or fourth day, I mean, he still had a couple, you know, a couple hiccups, but most of them were sitting, and we had the wobble cushion and sensory cushions. And they were sitting on those and playing with them and saying, yes, we can send this from the first day. But it worked. It worked, definitely. Um, having Being able to take data was another huge obstacle, I would say, um, because you have all the teachers, you have a group of very, very busy children and being able to say, well, the child sat for um, five minutes at this time, we were able to accomplish this, but um, five out of five times or ten out of ten times, we were only able to do that at the end of the day. And sometimes you forget uh-huh. what I'm you back. did. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you forget <laughs> what you did in the morning. So have, being Bye. able to take that data during the day and have forms that you can just tick off some things quickly or you have forms of your goals that you can tick off during the day would be something that would be a lot more beneficial so that you can have yeah. an idea to monitor progress across the week. And we only pick, picked up on that way to do things later in the week. So I would like that from the very beginning so that we can have that a baseline and then that overall progress. Right. And keeping data is important. We, you know, a lot of times therapists either get too consumed with keeping data and they're not as spontaneous with children, and so you kind of lose that creativity piece because you're so worried about doing your checks and minuses on the piece of paper. But you can't go so far the other way that you're totally willy-nilly and you can't prove and you can't document the nice changes that happened during a session because you didn't have a good enough plan or a good enough um, tool to use. So that's great that you figured that out as you Mm -hmm. went along too. Yeah. And I wanted to have a bit more parent involvement if I'm running Mm -hmm. it again because the parents really, they saw videos, they saw pictures, but I would have liked them to see more of it live. Right. Or having them be, be able to come in and do a session together. Right. You know, what worked well for me, yeah, Mm -hmm. when we had our playgroup program, and we did that, and again, it was 10 years ago now, 11 years ago, that I got to run that program. And so many of the things that you talked about brought back so many good memories. And I I just love doing that kind of intervention with children. But we had closed-circuit television. And so parents, even if they weren't still in the room, They could really watch. And we tried to use kind of an observation window, but if the light is just right, you know, children realize and can see their parents on the other side, even if it's just a shadow, and they were way too distracted by that. But we found with just an inexpensive closed-circuit TV with a monitor, cameras inside the classroom and a monitor in the lobby, and we called it Playgroup TV, but parents stood there and watched it. And sometimes parents stayed the whole two and a half hours 
because they were so <laughs> excited about what their children were getting to do. And then we had great yeah. carryover and follow-through because they could see it. And I like bringing parents into the classroom, too, so that they're involved. But sometimes their children then really thought it was time to go. When they saw mom appear, they thought, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, true. So the 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 monitoring system worked well for us. And I know all programs don't have those kinds of resources, and you, you can't always do that. But for me, that was optimal for a parent to be able mm-hmm. to do that kind of thing because then they could see exactly what we were doing. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. What other lessons? What will you do differently next time? Anything else? Um, probably have a bit more functional activities because we only had one, what we call the tour day, where we were able to take the children out and experience all the different themes. It was like a, a joining of all the different themes that we did during the week because we went to the petting zoo to see the animals, we went on the bus, mm-hmm. so we had a social story about the bus. Um, we mm-hmm. went to the beach and picked up shells and splashed our feet in the water. I wanted to have something that was a little bit more functional. Like maybe every day. Right. Yeah. So that they can go yeah, out and maybe in the evenings and do things. So I that think we can that's have a that great goal. Mm-hmm. It's a great goal. And I think sometimes you don't get any better information about a child regarding carryover other than seeing them in a new environment and seeing if they can retain their new little skills and if they can demonstrate those new little skills outside of the setting in which they first learned it. So I think field trips and community outings and those kinds of things are so important. Or it's important, you know, children that I've seen at home, we've set those situations up so that I've seen them in another setting. And for some children, even if you've seen them routinely in their own homes and then you see them at a grandparent's house, they're totally different children. Or yeah, things true. that you thought that they really that they really mastered, you realize, gosh, that just must have been kind of scripted for them because I can change one variable here, which would be the location, and the child can no longer do what they were previously mm-hmm. doing. So I think you get better information about about you know that kind of progress and the, like you were talking about functional, you know, just how they're how they're really performing when you mm-hmm. take the time and set up those other opportunities. Children that I've seen at home and then I've seen them in my office, a clinical setting, sometimes things are completely different too. So you find out all mm-hmm. kinds of things about children. When you when you change their locations and change their settings a little bit, so I think that's that's huge. So I'm that's glad. True. You that. Yeah. Another thing mm-hmm. I would like to do is to really have more therapy professionals involved because I really like the idea of having a multidisciplinary te- team. Sorry, multidisciplinary Hi. team working together and catering to all the needs of the child and I mean we were really limited because this is a pilot project um, we didn't have much funding at all because we we were able to get some funding from the Variety Club Barbados um, mm-hmm. and they were able to sponsor two of our children to come mm-hmm. but in terms of resources and funding it was still quite limited so we weren't able to get as many of the professionals as we'd have, we would have wanted 
And I would like to arrange it another time so we can get more funding, have, say, the occupational therapist and have a play therapist in because I've been speaking to a really good play therapist recently and she has some Mm -hmm. amazing toys and some really good activities and having maybe physio and to do different activities together so that we can have that that team approach to doing therapy. And what you said at the beginning, then you're treating the whole child. And I think a lot of us as early interventionists, we do become pretty good at wearing a lot of different hats. We do. We are all, at some point in time, doing OT things and doing art therapy and doing music therapy. But it is nice to have another professional that that's that's all they do and it's their forte, and it's so nice to be able to get another perspective on that. Don't you learn so much as a therapist when you work with other great professionals? I always That's always the most, I love it for the kids, but I, I'm selfish and love it for me because I always <laughs> I get too. such good ideas that I can mm-hmm. keep then forever and use with uh, children and just different takes on things and different perspectives and even something like learning new little songs and little routines that you can add to your own bag of tricks. So those are always really fun things for me to get to do too. Mm. Any parting words, Sharika, in your last two minutes? You learned a lot of lessons with that project. I definitely did. I would tell any therapist that's looking to set up, it doesn't have to be a preschool classroom, but if you want to do groups, it would be really good to have a group, have have some special ed support from a teacher, and run a group just, I would say, because I was really nervous about it. It was something that I I tossed up quite a bit. I would say just go for it. Get, Get the advice. Get some good resources. Go to Autism Helper. Look up your your pins on Pinterest. Look up everybody's boards and put together a program and see how it benefits the children. Um, it's really good to have children within a group setting as opposed to the individual therapy because you see how they function. They work together. You see the skills that that they're strong in, and you see where where they're lacking in. Um, it's right. like whether it be social skills whether it be um, those communication skills, those turn-taken, those pre-verbal communication skills. Um, that's where you see a lot of those things coming out when they're together in a group. Um, you see a lot of the good things coming out together in a group because there was one time where I had a little one who he's having difficulty with feeding, and the other boy, he decided that he was going to feed him. And wow. everybody just, <laughs> yes. Everybody just froze in that moment where he decided yeah. he was going to feed him, and he opened his mouth and showed him how to say ah. And Aww. He, he just saw those those traps coming out. Yeah, it's something you that you wouldn't that see generally. You, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have known that had you not had other children there. I think peer experiences are so important. Let me just say one quick word. A lot of times, though, parents of children who are not talking will put their child in just a regular daycare program or a Mother's Day out and think, okay, he's just not talking because he hasn't been around other children. That's rarely the case. And children really do benefit from that one-on-one with a caring adult 
especially when you're learning how to talk, but you're really talking about social experiences. And, again, those kinds of things that you may never have seen from a child had you not had a little peer there for him to interact with and yeah. you know, from a social perspective. So that's great information, too. Great, great, great. Well, I am so happy to hear about your week, and thank you for coming on. And I want to say thank you to all our listeners who hung in here with all of these technical problems today. I hope that they (laughs) stayed with us, and I'm going to post a little bit about that and say hang in there because the show, you really will be able to hear some good snippets, even though we had kind of those uh, dropped calls. But that's okay. That's just, again, real world technology and the things that happen. So thank you so much, Sharika, for sharing your experiences. I really appreciate it. And it's always fun when you're on the show. I always love being on your show. So thank you again for having me. Thank you. And you can check out Sharika's great work. This is the third time I've mentioned it now. It's TeachMeToTalk.com's Facebook page and uh, the post about today's podcast. And it's Easy Speak Autism Intervention project. I knew I was missing the word. It was intervention, yeah. And so check that out and see the great pictures that she posted and come up with your own ideas for your own little um, group program for your little friends with autism spectrum disorders. Thank you so much, Sharika. Thank you. You're welcome, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, next week's show, we're going to have another great blogger. Uh, from Playing With Words, Katie's going to be on. So that's going to be a super, super show. And, again, if you want to join me in Louisiana this week on Thursday and Friday, I would absolutely love to see you there. So uh, check out that registration information at com. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.